leading us in worship. Aaron, thank you for those words there. That's just very true. Touch me, touch me. Um, you know, if you've had struggles with your father or your parents or different things, different things will touch you different ways. Amen? You know what I'm talking about? I used to have a hard time with certain commercials would have a dad and a little kid on it or something. Man, I'd find myself all emotional by that because, you know, it was one of those things you longed for, and I, and I didn't have. I didn't have that. My dad was real good at calling us up and saying he loved us, but he never sent any money. You know, my parents divorced when I was 10. He just never was around. He never was much of a father. And we had a great relationship later on in life, and, and to, to the day he died, we had, a, we had a good relationship, but it was still strained. There was things we missed out on. And, and, uh, but from the time I became a Christian at, at 14 years old, all that, all that began to change, and God began to work. He began to show me. He, he fathered me. He, he led me. He taught me. And he, and he taught me when I got up into my mid, early 20s, mid-20s, early, early 20s. taught me to forgive, to forgive my dad. And there's others that had, had done things and hurt me in my life, but my, to learn to forgive my dad. And there's power, great, great power in that. And uh, it, it, I don't care what it is. If there's something that you're holding on to bitterness or anger or resentment or any of that about, you need to, you need to really, really, hear me now, you need to take that to the Lord and give it to Him. And forgiveness is a choice. And you need to forgive because that bitterness, that anger, unforgiveness will do nothing but hinder you in your walk with Christ. And Satan loves for you to be there. So you need, to, you need to deal with that. All that's free. That's not even in the message, okay? Uh, Chris, come on down. Chris, come on. Your team that's going to help us. You guys come on down. Listen, here's what we're going to do. Today's a different day. This is Father's Day. So we, we do things a little different on Father's Day. I finally hit on something that I think our guys tend to like. Yeah, how many of you guys know what's coming? Raise your hand if you know what's coming. And how many of you, if you know what's coming, you like it. All right, I see some thumbs up out there. All right, those who don't know what's coming, here's what's coming. All right, so if you are a father, what we're going to do today is we're going old school. We're going old school. So you get a treat, and you get to get it during the service. You're going to get an RC Cola in a bottle, not plastic, not a can. We, we, during COVID, they messed us up. Man, RCs, weren't, they weren't even making them. So it was like there was all kind of problems getting them. These are old school in a bottle, and we're going to give you an RC Cola what goes with an RC Cola? Moon pie. Moon pie. So it's just for the fathers. I'm sorry, ladies. So some ladies were cheering there. And this is just for the fathers. This is their day. So what I'm going to ask, they're ready? You guys ready to go? You ready to go? All right. If you're a father, if you're a father, I'm going to ask you to get up. Come on down quickly. Come on down. Get your RC Cola. Get your moon pie. Make your way back to your seat. Go ahead and open your moon pie so that those aren't rattling during the, the message. We go ahead and get those. We'll take a minute to get those. Got, I wanted to make sure. We, I always would rather have too many than not enough. Amen. Just make sure I'm, I have mine in there, okay? <laughs> I don't want to miss out. 
Well, praise the Lord. So you can go ahead and open those up. So, so we'll get that out of the way. Here's what we're doing a little different. So I've got a, I've got a little, uh, I've got an illustration to go with the message. I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to preach quick. Okay. So I have uh, less, a whole lot less pages than I normally have when I preach. So I'm, I'm going to try to keep my part a little shorter this morning. I'm going to work through this as, as quickly as I can. And then we'll have a, I'm going to have a video illustration of what I'm sharing with you, okay? So uh, I think you're going to enjoy this. I have it. Don't say anything if you know what's coming, okay? So some of you, I think the first year I was here, we did this, and we're, we're going to revisit that this morning. It's going to be great. So let's have a word of prayer. We'll refocus on, on uh, what God wants to do in our hearts right now, and, uh, and we'll move on with the message. Father, thank you for, uh, thank you for our fathers. Thank you for our fathers. What a gift. Even... Even our, our fathers who have failed miserably, um, Lord, I thank you for my father. I, I, you, you used him to give me life. And there are things that even in his, his faults, in his failures, God, you used him to teach me things. Some of the things I learned were good, but a lot of the things I learned were what not to do. But Lord, you used him to teach me, and I thank you for that. And I, I just... Uh, I pray that we can, we can all, Lord, approach it that way and, and look at the gifts you've given us in life. And uh, Lord, help us to be thankful uh, for what you have done through our fathers. Lord, thank you for the men in this church who, who are our fathers who lead and love. And um, Father, they love you. And that's the greatest thing is, is loving you and walking with you and modeling that for as they lead their wives, as they lead their children. Uh, God, I thank you, and I pray your blessing on them, and help our men to continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray you'll bless in this service, a little different today, but Lord, I pray you'll use it uh, for no other purpose than to bring glory and honor and praise to the Lord Jesus Christ, and Lord, to help our fathers be better fathers. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, I'll say this at the front. This message is, is I'm, I'm, I'm targeting our fathers with what I'm saying, but really this is, this is for parents. So what we're talking about applies to our parents, but primarily this morning, I, I, like I said, I'm targeting our fathers with this. Now, Father's Day isn't regarded as highly as Mother's Day, and I think that's a, a shame. You know, we, Mother's Day around the country, it's a big day, and it should be. But I think Father's Day, gets the, we get the short end of the stick, you know. And then our wives and children hijack the day from us, you know, on days like today. And th those things happen, but that happens. But no, I do think, I do think that, that fathers in America, if you'll look around and just pay attention to it, fathers are degraded, mocked, made fun of, tore down, sitcoms. The, the father's an imbecile. He's lazy. He, he's not leading the home. He's run over by the kids. He's run over by his wife. Hen, henpecked, if that would be the word, whatever it would be, that men are betrayed, fathers are, betray, are, are portrayed in a very poor light in our country. And I think that's intentional. And, and folks, don't, don't, don't make any mistake. Those things, when we see that in, in our culture, it is the culture and it's satanic culture that the whole design is to tear down men, to tear down the biblical authority that men have as leaders in the home. Amen? If you're sitting here and you go, oh, I ain't no man over me, then you don't understand biblical authority. And, and it's not a, a, a curse. 
It's not a bad thing. It's a great thing. It's the right thing. It's the biblical thing. And it's not that men ogre over you. They don't lord over you. And they need to understand, but men need to understand their role as the leader in the home, the spiritual head of the home. And when we have that, it's a great, great blessing. Amen? How many of you ladies raise your hand and say that's true when you have that? And you want a man that leads in the home. Amen? You want the man to lead spiritually. So fathers are not held to as high esteem in our society as mothers. And they may, and that, as I said earlier, it may be the fault of fathers themselves. But the fact remains that fathers are super important and those doing a good job should be recognized. And those who are not should be helped and encouraged. Amen? So I hope today will encourage some, some men. I hope it will challenge you. I hope it will uh, bless you. If you're doing a good job, you'll, 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 you'll want to do a better job. If you're struggling in some areas, I hope you'll want to be a better father and take that lead. Now, we know that children follow uh, in our steps. Amen? If children follow in our steps. And some, a couple of, just a couple of Old Testament examples when we look at Kings. 1 Kings chapter 15, verse 25 says, Now Nadab, the son of Jeroboam, became king over Israel in the second year of Asa, king of Judah. And he reigned over Israel two years, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father. And we read that a lot through the kings. We read where he did like his father. He, he was sinful. He led, led the nation of Israel wrong. He led them down the wrong path. But we read of some kings like 2 Kings 15. One says in the 27th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, Azariah, the, the son of Amaziah, king of Judah, became king. He was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. Uh, verse 3 then says, And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah had done. So there's, a, there's, there's obviously, whether a father directly teaches you or directly influences or, or doesn't, there is a, folks, guys, don't mistake one bit that your kids are watching everything you do. They're watching everything you do. And they, he, they see and they hear every contradiction in what you say and what you do, and what you profess and what you live. They see it. And so it's, it's so important that we model for them what is right. Which of those legacies do you want from your children? Do you want your children to be the ones that, that, that you know, went against the Lord? Do you want the legacy to be that your child followed after the Lord and did what was right in the Lord's eyes? I want it to be that my children follow in, 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 in what is right and they do what God would have them to do. And they honor Him with their life. That's been my desire all through parenting my kids. And I, I made mistakes. I, my son knows that. My daughter knows that. I made mistakes. I wasn't a perfect parent. Any perfect parents in here? We weren't. There's a lot of times we did things and we go back and we wish we could do it different. But I praise the Lord that even in spite of me, and I, I attribute a lot of that to the fact that Gina stayed home and raised our children, and she, she could work on the mistakes and things I did. But our, but our kids have turned out pretty good. I'm, I'm proud of my children. I, I, they, they love the Lord. They're serving the Lord, and I'm thankful for that. Parents, our job is not to, fathers, our job is not to raise children. Y'all get that? My job is not to raise children. If our children, when fully grown, are still behaving as children, we fail to do our job as parents. So it's not our job to raise children. It's our job to raise adults. God-fearing, Christ-loving, eternity-focused, well-adjusted, honorable, honest, hard-working adults. That's the job that we have as parents. And, 
and especially as fathers. We can't just leave them to themselves and hope it happens. We can't just let it happen. It is our job as parents, and I truly believe that this falls not solely, but ultimately on the shoulders of us as fathers. It's a joint effort in raising our children. But ultimately, the responsibility in the home, it falls on me as the father. If I don't do my job and Gina has to pick up the slack, that's a fault on me. Fathers, we've got to do our job. And so the verse we're looking at this morning is Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. We, we can't control how they will go. Amen? We can't control that. But we can point them in the direction they should go. And that's what the Scripture says. Train up a child in the way he should go. We are to show them. We are to train them. We are to point them in the right direction. There's a similar Danish proverb that says, What youths learn, age does not forget. What youth learns, age does not forget. And you think about how many things you learned as a kid. Think about the, the scriptures you still can quote today because you learned them as a child in Sunday school or your mom went through them with you at home or da- whatever it is. What youth learns, age does not forget. An English proverb says this, as the twig is bent, so grows the tree. There's some great wisdom in that and insight in that. So it's important in considering the great implications of Proverbs 22, 6 to remember that there's all the difference in the world between telling a child and training a child. We can talk until we're blue in the face. Telling is not as effective. Training is what is effective. Now, the the Hebrew word translated train means, there's there's four words here that are used to explain this. To train means to narrow. And I'm going to come back to that. But to narrow to initiate. We understand initiate. We understand discipline. And we understand dedicate, to dedicate. But the word, the word narrow, to narrow, means to hedge in. To hedge in. And the word suggests a picture of cattle being guided into a pen. Their path is, is fenced so that there, there's only one way that they can go. How many of you like Westerns? How many of you men that are drinking a moon pie, drinking a RC and eating a moon pie right now? You like the old Westerns. You watch the cattle drives and you see they, they keep them pointed. They don't let the cattle just go wherever they want to go because they'll, they'll get in trouble. They'll get in the wrong places. And they, they hedge them in. They, they narrow them. And then they guide them right into, sometimes they have to guide them in and put them in a fenced area and they, they're going to fence them in. Irritating me this morning. <laughs> so it, it's this idea of hedging them in. And, and, and it's a great picture. I thought, boy, I need to break that down. There's a, probably a message to be preached right there from how cattle are herded and led and pointed in the, in the way that we parent our children. So we hedge them in. And, and it's also no co- coincidence. It says, train up a child in the way, in the way. And that word, that word, the way, was the usual New Testament word for Christianity. So we are to train up our children in Christianity. I hear parents that say, well, we just let our kids decide. We want them to decide. Hogwash! I'll tell you, if, if you profess to be a Christian and that's your mentality is I'll just let my kids, I want them to make their own decision on that, they'll just come to it by themselves, then I don't know that you've ever truly been born again. 
How in the world could you take the approach understanding what God did for you in your salvation if you've truly been saved and take that approach that I'm going to be hands off with my children. I'll let them just go out and try everything. They can learn everything. They can look at everything and experience everything and then let them make their own decision. Folks, I would, I would use a strong word for that. I would call that foolishness. That's foolishness. Well, just let them, you know, let them figure out that the, the pot is hot on the stove. They'll figure it out when they pour the, the boiling water on it. We wouldn't do that. And yet we do that with life. We just want to turn the kids out and, and think our three-year-old's smart enough to figure it out. Or a seven-year-old is, is smart enough to know, you know what, I'm not a girl, I want to be a boy. That's foolishness, folks. And that's what's going on in our country today. It's foolishness. Now the word, the way... Uh, it, it, it's a word that means a road. Okay, so it's a path. So figure, figuratively, it's a course of life. So when we talk about the way, we're talking about the way we live life, the way they live life. It's our job to point them in the right direction. Those who follow Christ were known as people of the way. And that's what we ought to be, as people of the way. We're people of the way. We want our kids to be people of the way. We know the truth. We know the truth. We want our kids to know the truth. Amen? So we hedge them in. We guard them, and we're going to... We're going to look at that. So Christian parents, we're responsible for guiding our children in this way. Okay? Training children must begin when they are young. An old saint who had a wonderful and remarkably close family of grown children used to say this. He said, if you don't break their will when they first begin to manifest their rebellious sin nature, they will grow up to break your heart. There's truth. You can look around again and again and again of example of where that will was not molded, it was not shaped, it was allowed to just go as it wanted to, and they grow up and they break parents' hearts in the way they live their life. The Jesuits used to say that if they could have the commanding influence in the life of a child until that child was seven years old, the child was theirs. By then the child's character was formed, his convictions were embedded, and, and, and his course was set. No amount of contrary teaching would great, greatly alter the basic bent of that child. And they're saying, if you give me a child till they're seven, they're mine. Folks, there are those today who want your children. And they want the first seven years. If you've noticed our our, our government is more and more and more intruding into this thing of it. They're not your children. They're their children. And look, we ain't in a communist nation yet. They don't own to them. They don't, they don't belong to the educational, this vile educational system. They're great people at work in our educational system. But do not be, con be confused and, and deceived in thinking that our education system is, is a good system. It's nefarious in what they want to do with your children. They want those first seven years. They want them earlier and earlier and earlier because if they can pour into them, they've got them. They can control, have the commanding influence till the, about the age of seven. They know they've got them. They have the goal of controlling them, of perverting their minds, of, of, to bring them into their way of thinking. We've got some heavy burdens on us. So let's look at this. Child training has to be comprehensive and consistent. Four things I want to look at, and then we're going to have an illustration to help us kind of see this lived out. First is this. The first thing that has to be reached and ruled, four areas that have to be reached and ruled. The first is the mind. Okay. So the goal of secular education is to 
prepare children to succeed in this world. That's the goal. So the, the, the system sets this world's art and science and religion and heroes and idols before the children. This world stuff. The goal of, of Christian parents must be different. We must teach our children to fix their attention on the world to come. Amen? Do we need to be able to live in this world? Absolutely. But our focus should not be on this world. This, as a believer, is not my home. This is not what we should focus on. We need our children. We need to focus them on the world to come, on eternity. Since the entire secular humanist educational system scoffs at the Bible, Christian parents must make sure that the Word of God is firmly implanted in the child's mind so, so that uh, no amount of secular influence will challenge the Bible's authority. It's one of the greatest concerns in our public schools is the undermining of biblical authority. Understand that. I, 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 I've heard guys, the pastors, that really were hard on, you need to get your kids out of public schools, almost browbeating parents. It's your choice. You as a parent have to make that choice. I'm not going to browbeat you in that. But I'm going to tell you, I'll cheer every one of you that take your kids out of public school and, and, and school them at home. You may not all have the opportunity to do that, but I'll cheer with you and anything we can do to help you. Praise God, we would want to help you. Amen? Amen. Oh, me. Number two, the heart. Heart has to be reached and ruled, the heart. The stronghold of the emotions has to be stormed. That's the heart. That's this, this emotional makeup of who we are. It's who, who we are as a person. That's the heart of who we are. And that's the, it's the stronghold of the emotions. And it has to be stormed and taken for Christ. For self is, is firmly enthroned from the very beginning. Amen? I mean, the, the, the self is on the throne. When we talk about what, what is it that you, you've got to understand that, you know what, it, this isn't about you. I told you all the story. We're at the beach witnessing this guy. And, he, and, and he's, he's telling me why. He said, I just need to, I know what I need to do. I just want to do it. I said, it's pride. I said, it's all about pride. He said, well, I don't think it's pride. I said, it is pride. I'm going to tell you why it's pride. He said, because you don't want to give up doing what you want to do. That's what you see, is that if I do this, then I'm going to not be the boss of my life anymore. He went, you're right. It is pride. Because that's what it is. It's pride. And, and, and look, so the heart. Parents, this is what we must do. We have to instill in our children a fear and horror of sin. We, we, we don't do that anymore. We don't call adultery adultery. We say somebody's having a, an affair. An affair. Boy, what a... What a wow, let's go ride the Ferris wheel. You know, we can go, we can go win, win prizes and play games. It's not an affair. It's adultery. It's fornication. It's what God calls sin. We need to teach our kids about sin. We need to teach them to fear and, and the horror of sin. We need to seek to engage their affections to Christ. Everything we do ought to try to point them to a love relationship with Christ. And we got to meet their emotional needs. If you can just love on your children and meet those emotional needs that they have, those things right there, we can capture the child's heart. Third thing is the will. Above all, parents must school the will of their children in obedience. I mean, why is that important? You know, a strong-willed child or whatever. I mean, it's a, it's a very simple illustration, okay? But, but, you know, when we were in Georgia, our yard kind of ran down, ran down this way, and there wasn't a lot of traffic on our road. 
Well, I wanted my kids to know when, when they're running around playing and running toward the road and I see a car coming and I say, stop. Do you want your kid to go, ah, you know what, I'm smart enough, I can make my own decision. Or do you want them to obediently listen to you when you say stop and stop? Not have an attitude, not back talk, not, not rebel against you. You want them to stop because you see dangers they don't see. That's the importance of the will. Children need to learn to be obedient to their parents. Genesis 18, verse 17 through 19 shows the importance that God places on this area of child training. The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice. Justice. We have to teach our kids. We have to teach them, and they need to learn to be obedient. Parents must command respect. Y'all don't like this word, but you, that you, you need to command fear and obedience early from your children. And you say, well, I don't want my children to fear me. I don't mean that when you, 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 know, you raise your hand to do something, it's not about that. It is they should have, do you fear the Lord? I fear the Lord. I have a, a righteous fear of the Lord as he is, he is over me. He has power over me. Our children, should, they should respect us, they should fear us, and they should be in obedience to us. For parents stand in the place of God in the lives of their young children. They do. That you stand in the place of God. They're going to learn of God from you. They don't know God yet. You've got to model that. And they need to learn to respect you, to fear you, and to be obedient to you. When you speak, they should listen. That stubborn, childish will must learn to obey without argument or the display of temper. Children who do not learn to respect parental authority will learn to defy or challenge, listen, all authority. If your children don't respect you, they're not going to respect anybody else. If they're not obedient to you and submitted to you and submitted to your authority as their parent, they're not going to submit to any authority. They're going to defy the police, and, and ultimately they will defy God Almighty, the ultimate authority in their life. Number four, the conscience. Now, the conscience is the, it's the God-given innate knowledge of right and wrong. And it's, and it's maybe the only positive legacy that we have from the fall is we have the conscience that God has put in us to understand right and wrong. But conscience by itself, it, 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 it's this. It's a goad. It's not a guide. My, my, my lost conscience isn't going to direct me everywhere, but my lost conscience will does understand right and wrong, and it'll goad me. It'll poke me, and it'll say, oh, well, that's, I know that's not right, but I don't understand. You, you know, um, and the conscience can be conditioned. It can be sensitized. It can be sensitized to the things of God. It can be sensitized to the things of the world. Or it can be seared. You can sear that conscience where it's not sensitive to the things of God and, and, or seared to something that's righteous. That's the, and that's why it is vital that conscience is bonded to the Word of God. So parents must lay a good moral foundation early in a child's life by instilling the precepts of the Mosaic Law. Now, what does that mean, preacher? You know what? Kids ought to understand that murder is sin. They ought to understand that stealing is sin. You can take the Ten Commandments and teach those to your children. We teach those. We teach the Old Testament. We teach those things because we want kids to understand the law so that the, because the law reveals the right and the wrong. Amen? If you're not going to use the Scripture and the truths of the Bible, how is it that you're, well, you know, it's just whatever, it's just whatever you think. You know, it's whatever, what is truth? What is right? Well, whatever you think. No, it's not. It's not just arbitrary. There is truth. And truth has been revealed to us by God. 
And it's right here. So we should be teaching this to our children. And so we help them. We help them understand as their conscience is goading them. This is right. This is wrong. And we're showing them now from the word of God what is right and what is wrong. And then the conscience will work. These principles condition the conscience which the Holy, of, uh, the Holy Spirit of God eventually uses as the instrument for bringing about conviction of sin. And this is important. Conviction of sin. And conviction of sin is the absolute prerequisite to genuine conversion. We talked about that a lot on Wednesday night. If you don't understand you're a sinner, if, if you've never acknowledged yourself as a sinner, I don't believe you're saved. How can you be saved from something you don't even acknowledge is a problem? Well, I'm not a sinner. Well, then you can't be born again because you've yet to acknowledge your sin. Your sin your repentance is acknowledging that I can't save myself. I'm hopeless. And it's a change of mind and a change of direction turning to Christ. The only way, the only hope I have for salvation. Amen? Amen. All right. That's pretty much a nutshell my message. That's, that's rapid fire. Okay? So I want to show you, I want to show you for a few minutes... Um, an illustration of this, okay? So what better would go with an RC Cola and a moon pie than an episode of Andy Griffith? <laughs> By whoever wrote all that, just incredible. <clears throat> My favorite part of that was when Andy goes out and talks to him and, and, he's, and he's basically telling him he needs to leave. But here was the dialogue. I'm going to read this again. He says, why not let him decide? That was the, that was the question. Why not just let him decide? Maybe he would choose to live his life my way uh, rather than your way. Why not just let him decide? And Andy says, he says, no, I'm afraid it don't work that way. You can't let a youngin decide for himself. He'll grab at the first flashy thing with ribbons on it. Then when he finds out there's a hook in it, it's too late. Wrong ideas come packaged with so much glitter, it's hard to convince them that other things might be better in the long run. All a parent can do is to say, wait and trust me and try to keep temptation away. It's a big part of our job, parents, fathers, is, is to protect our children in that way and keeping temptation away. Now, the issues that we're challenged with today as parents are, are not as simple as a stolen gumball or, or skipping school to go fishing. Okay? We, we've got some bigger areas to worry about. You know, you got to worry about what the kids are being taught all through culture, School, culture, society, everything, uh, you know that there is no God. In fact, a lot, of, a lot of what's being taught today is that you're God. You know, it's whatever, whatever you want life to be, whatever you want it to be. You're, you're God. There is no God. Uh, they, they're, they're telling us and they're telling our kids that the Bible's not true. Biblical authority is constantly under attack. That goes into the creation versus evolution. Evolution, evolution is thought. You know, when, when I was growing up, in school in the late 70s, early 90s, or, or, or yeah, it went that long. Or late 70s through the 90s was elementary school. Um, late 70s, early 80s, you know, I can remember in middle school learning about the theory of evolution. It's not taught anymore as a theory. It's taught as fact, and they have no fact. But it's taught as fact, and, and, and creation is taught as, as a, a myth, you know, so... Those are the things, and all that's designed to tear down the biblical. If you can tear down Genesis chapter 1, if you can tear that down and you can bring doubt into that, then how can you trust anything in the Scriptures? That's, it's, very, uh, it's very intentional what they're doing. 
They tell our kids that there is no truth. It's all relative. It's whatever is true to you. Whatever is true to you. Whatever your experience says. There is absolute truth, folks. Amen? There's absolute truth. And, and we need to teach our kids that absolute truth. They're being taught stuff like critical race theory. That, that you're a racist simply because of, of your skin color. You're a racist. Or, or, or uh, um, and I'd say this, as, as a Christian... Uh, you better not be teaching your kids uh, to be prejudiced or to discriminate based on skin color. We, we can't do that. On the other hand, make sure they understand that all mankind are God's creation created in His image. We're all image bearers of, of, of God. And so you need to teach your kids that. We, we should not be racist, but, but because you are a certain color, or, or you come from a certain place, does not make you a racist, and that's what's being taught to our children. Intersectionality. I preached a whole message. I may have to go back and preach it again soon. But it's this whole idea of oppressor versus oppressed. Our kids are growing up believing and being taught that, that just because, you know, if you're, if you're this, then you oppress someone else, or, or, or they, they oppress you. And, you know, listen, I don't get all caught up in that, but, you know, as a, as a white man, heterosexual, Christian, I'm the ultimate oppressor. And so, so every, everything else. So to a, a woman, they would say, I'm the oppressor, they're the oppressed. To someone of another race, I'm the oppressor, they're oppressed. Uh, any, any other religion, any other faith besides Christianity, I'm the oppressor. And uh, folks, those are lies out of the pit of hell. And so you got to teach your kids the truth. Gender issues today. You know, I, I, TV back in those days was great. Mr. Rogers, I saw a clip recently where Mr. Rogers was talking about boys are boys and girls are girls. That's pretty simple, isn't it? It's pretty, pretty, but it's become a very, and people are buying into the lie now that, you know, you're born a boy, but you're not really a boy. Or you're born a girl. Or these, these boys who can't hack it in, in men swimming want to go compete against the girls and beat the girls. It's, it's just ridiculous what's going on. Where are the feminists today? Where are the feminists? The feminists have disappeared. You know, when, when the woman of the year in, in several awards here recently has been a man, biological man. We got problems, folks. We got problems, and these are the kind of things you're going to have to, you've got to guard against and teach your, kill, your children truth. Sexuality, you know, today it's just whatever makes you happy, do it. Whatever you want. No matter, no matter what anyone says, including and especially the Bible. But no matter what the Bible says, that's an archaic book. Folks, you have to teach your children. Men, fathers... The burden's on us. It's on us. Teach your children that sin is sin and that God does not tolerate or wink at sin. He abhors it. Teach your children that they must be born again. Don't, don't teach your children to, you know, to wade and to figure. Teach your children truth. If you have the truth, teach them the truth. That they're sinners. They're separated from God by their sin. And they must be born again. They must come into a relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, through the repentance of their sin and faith, placing their faith in Jesus Christ. 
Teach them that Jesus died on the cross for their sin. Teach that He is the way, the truth, and the life. Teach that, that there is no other name given unto me whereby we must be saved but the name of Jesus. Give them that. Teach them that truth that they must be born again. There are not many roads to heaven. There's one road. It's a narrow road. And that road's name is Jesus Christ. He is the only way. And that's what we have to teach. So fathers, we must teach and train our children. We must hedge them in. We must protect them from the evil that's after them. And it is after them. And parents, if you're doing that, fathers, if you're doing that, I commend you. I commend you for doing and taking your responsibility as a father serious. It's more than just taking your kids fishing. That's a great thing. Hey, all through there, I hope you made a mental note of all that was going on there. Andy taught him how the importance of work. I worked hard all week. I think I've deserved a day off. He taught him rest. Taught him fellowship together. The quality time with his son. Teaching his son. Pouring into his son. Andy was modeling these things as a father. There's so many great things in, just in that clip alone. But there's more to, to raising our children than just hanging out with fun times. Teaching them to swing a bat or to, to, or to cast a, a bait on a hook. It, 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 it's, the spiritual, folks, is so much more important. Now, all that other is good, but it ought to lead to the spiritual. So, fathers, I encourage you this morning. If, you, if, you're, not, if you're not diligent in that, in protecting your children, in hedging them in, in teaching them their minds, their hearts, their wills, and their conscience then I encourage you this morning, recommit that. Focus back to that. Amen? Verses, train up a child in the way he should go. Now, if we fail to do that, how in the world can we claim the second part, that when he is old, he will not depart from it? We've got to pour it in now while they're young and pray that the seeds of truth that we teach will take root into real saving faith. We got to do that while we have the opportunity. Amen. Pastor Aaron, I ask you to come. We'll be brief this morning. We're going to have a time. We're going to have a time that you can respond this morning. I'd say this: If you're a father and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, the greatest thing you can do as a father or as a husband is to come into a, a true relationship with Christ. And that is through repentance and faith. It's acknowledging that I'm a sinner separated from God by my sin, confessing that sin, and trusting in Jesus Christ by faith. I would would plead with you this morning. If you're not saved, if you've never been born again, I would plead with you to, to take that step this morning. Come down here. Just come down here. I'll be glad to sit and talk with you and share with you the, the gospel. As a father, maybe this morning, maybe you had a child you want to pray for. Maybe you want, to, you want to come and spend some time and just talking to God this morning and, and refocusing, recommitting yourself as a, as a father, as a parent, and fathers, even as a husband. A big part of leading our children is loving our, our wives and how we lead in the home. Maybe, maybe today's just a time to rededicate that, refocus that in, 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 in how we're living our lives as fathers, doing the things God would have us to do. Amen? But this invitation time, it's open. You know, the Lord may have touched your, your heart this morning in an area we haven't even looked at. That's the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Word of God. Amen? So as we, as we I'm going to ask you to stand. We'll have a word of prayer. And uh, Pastor Aaron, if you'll lead us, I invite